0: We need to collectively dull our blades, not sharpen them, uh, for this purpose so that we're not just mowing over everything in their path or trying to, to put the bubble wrap on them. Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Press them on your children, yeah. Talk about them
1: when you see home. Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni.
0: Well, I see that you had your your cool French press thing there. That's nice. Uh, Have you been able to taste the brew yet?
1: I did actually. I normally do French press, uh, black. But uh, I, I of all things, I love about Maine. I really like LL Bean, and I really like they've got special blueberries. And so at a LL Bean uh, the, like discount store, they had some blueberry coffee from like a local roaster, and it's. I I don't like to waste things, but honestly, it's terrible, and <laughs> so I've got cream and sugar in it. So, but it's fine with the cream and sugar.
0: Okay, well, good. As I, it sounds nice, the the idea of it, but it's too bad that the actual product uh, is not.
1: But. Sometimes there's a reason why things are marked down sixty <laughs> percent.
0: Uh, yes. How's your coffee? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. So Tony, we were just talking about football and the, the draft, and so baseball is underway. Um, how how are your your newly adopted Both Sox doing? <sighs>
1: Don't get me started, man. I think I brought the terrible basil with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Orioles are still worse, which is a statement. But yeah, the Red Sox, are I, they won last night, the night before recording. Uh, and they've had a couple players that have done well, but they are, I mean, one of the worst teams in baseball right now. How about okay, I,
0: I was not aware of that. But yeah, I know you went from Baltimore, which I know their owner got called out recently for not spending any money on the players. And uh, that's not a problem in Boston. They, they're willing to spend some money, but it's just not working out so far.
1: Okay, so the Orioles, though, I mean, to be fair, with the Orioles not spending money, I think it's important to understand. I lived in Baltimore area, and during COVID, when baseball games were back, they sent emails out to fans that if you get a, a vaccine, a shot, or whatever, basically you get premium seats uh, and get the shot there for free, and I think even free food. And people still weren't going. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> so you know.
0: Okay. Well, that that tells you something. A little bit of uh, a
1: chicken and egg, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the Braves—they're not tearing it up, but they're not—they're not bombing either. But you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. It's very hard to repeat in a major league baseball, but you know, but in baseball they do use uh, a lot big lawn mowers and. They, I would imagine, they keep them up well. But do you ever, do you sharpen your lawnmower blade or change the oil on it?
1: Not often. So I've gotten old ones, and they haven't last that long. Because i I've, sometimes I've paid people to. Do. I've got a new electric lawnmower, so I haven't had to do that yet. Though, how have you been?
0: Uh, Well, I've been needing to make an appointment to drop my lawnmower off to get a tune up, get the blade sharpened um, for a few years now, and uh, just haven't gotten around to that. So it just sort of beats the grass, you know, but it kind of cuts it. But it's just, I just need to get it done. But, uh, you know, parents used to, and they still do use blades of a different sort. Uh, that's kind of what we want to get in today. They used helicopter blades to hover over the kids and to uh, prevent any kind of harm that might happen to their little darlings. But now, now those blades are they're getting lower and they are being used to uh, like a lawnmower blade to just clear out anything that would be an obstacle mm-hmm. to the material success of their little darlings. Um, so you probably. You, you know, uh, several months back, Bob Saget died.
1: Yes, did he did. So.
0: Yeah, so he, Bob Saget was on America's Funniest Home Videos, but also on Full House. Well, one of his co-stars, uh, Aunt Becky, Lori <laughs> Loughlin, <laughs> yes. uh, she was uh, part of a group of about 50 people who got into, and I'll say a little because it really wasn't a whole lot, uh, a little legal trouble because they were paying lots of money to To get their their kids into these primo schools to get this unfair advantage and, you know, lying and fraud and this kind of stuff. Um, and many parents just say, like, I just want my kid to be happy. And that, that's kind of the approach here. And so that's what we want to look at, this trend. And what does this lawnmower and this helicopter parenting have to do with the faith and with the church and the gospel and growth and becoming like Jesus? So... Tony, when you were growing up, did your parents let you face danger and obstacles and failure and that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't remember a lot of my young childhood, but, I mean, I think so. Uh, You know, I know I failed in a lot of things, uh, and they loved me enough to let me keep failing. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I'd say in that – but I, I also think though, that uh, you know diff- it was good because I think the difficulties uh, really did shape me in a lot of ways. You know, I think I think some difficulties
0: Now, and we just kind of in the intro talking about this, but helicopter parenting has been a term that's been used for a while, you know, referring to uh, just hovering over the child and not letting anything, like you said, you know wrapping them in bubble wraps so they don't get hurt. But lawnmower parenting is is a newer term. But where do these impulses come from?
1: Well, as far as I would have known, the lawnmower parenting co- thing comes from you. I'd never heard of it until you sent me the podcast, the guy, uh, like two days ago. So, But I heard of a helicopter parenting before. So, uh,
0: well, I just heard about the lawnmower thing, like I think in the early months of COVID, um, when Aunt Becky was, was getting in trouble. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, you know, I will say the convenience of those kind of things are at least mom is able to be easily visited. You know, you just have to make sure that it's in within visitation hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, Yeah, I think that these desires, though, are somewhat natural. Uh, uh, You know, I mean, nobody wants their kids to get hurt. If you want your kids to get hurt, you know, uh, we need to have a discussion. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that this is something... Uh, that uh, there's something really very millennial parent about this kind of thing. I mean, I think millennials were kind of raised to degree in this and and this becomes an unhelpful thing. you know I, I don't think we should just use this as an excuse. I remember a somebody criticized a Christian leader that kind of pointed out some sex abuse in the church, and he was basically like, oh, you know, th- this guy was clearly raised with, you know, a participation trophy culture and all that kind of stuff. And, and that, w- that was just dumb and not helpful. Uh, but, you know, there are certainly a lot of people that are wrapped into it. And it seems like, you know, very much a product of kind of Uh, An over response to maybe, you know, too loose of a hand in that kind of way. So, uh, but I think either way, it's comes from in the biblical speaking, speaking language, sorry, ah, in biblical mentality, it comes from a sinful desire to control people, which we all, I think, struggle with. But what do you think, Ben?
0: I think that's good insight. Yeah, of course, we don't want our kids to get hurt and we want them to do well and to succeed. And so none of us are hoping that our kids will be failures or that they'll just live in our basement the rest of their lives because they can't or, or, or won't go do something else. But yeah, I, I like what you said about trying to control and sort of play God in that situation to ensure that they do well. So it's sort of natural desires that have gotten twisted, even good desires that have, have grown to demands like my kid will be safe, my kid will succeed even if it means I have to pay off somebody to get them. So did your parents pay, bribe anybody at Tocco Falls to, to get you in?
1: Not that I'm aware of. It's always possible, <laughs> though. <laughs>
0: you know, when I was younger, playing sports, sometimes we would give people a hard time. Like, you know, it was at a private school, and so, you know, you got a fundraise and all this stuff. And if somebody, you know, their dad's business had a big sign out there on the, the outfield fence, and you're like, yeah, we well, you know, why why Johnny's starting today because, uh, look at the sign out there. And, uh, there may have been some truth to that in some cases, but, um, anyway.
1: Hey, I did happen. It does happen at colleges. I mean, I, I work security on campus and I remember giving certain people, we'd give, uh, tickets to their car for parking even a handicapped spot left and right and it was very obvious that mommy and daddy were paying for the tickets and thus you know there was never a desire to change but uh, for me I felt like I actually paid a little extra because uh, I, 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 I kind of I kind of paid the school my mountain bike that was confiscated.
0: Well so Tony I mean isn't protecting our kids a good thing and isn't helping our kids to succeed also a good thing?
1: Uh, the, no, it's a terrible thing. Done. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I, I think like I all almost all idolatry uh, that this is based upon good desires. You know that I, I do think that helicopter parenting and uh, lawnmower parenting, as you call it, can be idolatry. It tends to be, but it's based upon a good desire for a kid to succeed. Like you said, uh, you know, helping them to succeed. And protecting them, though, is going to mean letting them get hurt and even fail in the short term so that they can succeed in the most important things and the things of the Lord. But even in, you know, general life principles later in the life. So, I mean, I know that. I mean, I grew up in. And Jordan Land, Michael Jordan Land, and he was not a good role model. Uh, They there was billboards everywhere when I was young. Be like Mike in Chicago. Don't be like Mm -hmm. Mike. He's a terrible guy. But nonetheless, he he did rightly teach, you know, and he always still does, I think, basically that he would never have been success if he hadn't failed so often, you know, and that's you know success for him was about kind of learning from his failures, and I think there's general principles of truth in that.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. And, yeah, the older I've gotten, the more I've seen about Michael Jordan. like Mike was not is not a good guy. I mean, tremendous basketball player, but yes, that's we don't need to hold him off as a as a hero. Yeah, I think that you you're right, just like with a lot of idolatries, um, things can get distorted. And so both of those are good impulses, but I mean, just neurologically and socially and spiritually, level of character development, we can short circuit the, the growth and the development process if we're just trying to, to drop our kids into adulthood safe and successful and plenty of money and they haven't gone through things that they need to go through to mm-hmm. get them to that point. They're not going to flourish once they get there. So what kind of character development might happen in both our kids and in in parents when we allow them to face lack of safety or lack of an easy ride.
1: Yeah, I'd say, I mean, there's several aspects that can grow in us in this. I think perseverance, humility, patience are key ones. Uh, and the truth is, and these kind of attributes as well as the many, many more, I'm sure you'll be able to list. Uh, they are uh, really, these are things that are best to learn. Uh, when, uh, you know, When we look at our parents more, you know, these things are hard things to learn and learning at that age is is really important to grow in these things because they're going to stretch us. And it's easier to be stretched when, you know, we have when we're at a time in our life where we're looking at our mom and dad, you know, as those kind of shepherds and role models. And before the age where we become cynical and think mom and dad uh, are dumb, you know.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a lot to be gained there. Uh, another Some other things like resourcefulness and creativity. Oh, well, I've got an issue here. What can I do about this? Growing in faith, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the child going, man, this is hard. I don't like this. But mom and dad said to trust God. And I, my Sunday school teacher told me that I can trust God even when things are going really hard because he promises not to leave me. Or the parents on the other side of it going, man, we don't want to see our kids face this um, but we do we know these other things to be true, and we're gonna trust the Lord with our child, because ultimately the child doesn't belong to us, the child belongs to God, and so learning to to live in that faith, um, and you, you mentioned this, but just you know, learning to get help and wisdom from other people, and, and the right kinds of people, uh, and also a, a willingness to take risks that need to be taken, and kind of gauging when. Uh, instead of just, oh, no, that's dangerous, that's bad. And, I mean, I'm a risk-averse person from all kinds of things. I mean, there were things that I had friends that would do this or that, and I was like, ah, I don't think so. Um, and even now, my adult life had that place out. I've learned to take some more. But even you know with financial risk and things like that, uh, it's a good thing that I'm not some kind of venture capitalist or um, some kind of, you know, that, that's how I'm trying to, Provide for my family because I just eh. so there there can be uh, a healthy way that, that that can develop in us. Uh, it, you mentioned something a minute ago about the participation trophies and stuff, and I heard someone raise a good point with that. That yes, while millennials did receive participation trophies, we have to ask the question: who is giving them out?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and I think that is a legitimate question. You know, it, you can't just you can keep passing the blame on up the chain what what made the parents of millennials do things the way that they did and what was going on culturally at the time that then influenced how they parented and how we get to the bottom of that i don't know if there's an exact answer but yes i mean millennials were not handing out the participation trophies to themselves at the t-ball thing or at the you know whatever kind of thing your favorite you know christian character award, the the uh, the mm-hmm.
1: Pharisee Award. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, um, it, that is weird to me because it's like, I mean, would would you have expected like you know millennials being raised? I never got a tr- put space in trophy. Maybe I wish I did. I don't think so. But uh, no, but it's like. I mean was there an expectation that millennials then should have like formed a union to reject you know to, to petition to get rid of the system and you know and and told mom to, you know and to the heck with this mom and dad I'm throwing it away is that what should have happened
0: Yeah and I mean there's pl- listen there's plenty of things we can critique our generation for uh but you know the oldest millennials are you know around 40 so not little kids anymore um well, Tony, what dangers lie in in removing basically all dangers and all obstacles to temporal success for whether it's our, our children or teenagers, uh, whatever the case may be?
1: I, I think the biggest one is they're not going to be prepared for like a Mad Max style post apocalyptic world. I'm kidding. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, that could be true. Yeah, I, I think there's truth that, you know, you think about antibodies and developing those and how, you know, that I I don't mean to say anything about any kind of large sickness that's been going on over the past (laughs) few years, but uh, nonetheless, there are still medical principle in general that kids develop greater antibodies if they're not kind of secluded from germs totally. Uh, I mean, even, you know, there's, you know, it's not the whole picture, but even there's evidence that probably exposure to peanuts at a young age actually inc- a decreases likelihood of having a peanut allergy and probably milk to a degree as well along that same kind of principle and I think that shows us kind of a, a general truth of how God works and that you know we we kind of have to develop these things early and because we don't that we're we're going to be really handicapped and and you know, we're going to be held back in that kind of way. Uh, you know, and uh, I think the danger really then becomes that we kind of go the opposite you know, of, you know, before, rather than, you know, you're going to venture, I think there's an overcorrection, like I said, from parents that were kind of hands off, but then, you know, that there ends up being, you know, really no kind of success or holding on. Uh, but, you know, helicopter kids, in fact, I mean, studies, I mean, we believe in that God works through general revelation, and studies show helicopter kids tend to become sore losers. They tend to become entitled uh, in ways that hurt them, hurt them in job interviews hurt them you know when they face adversity Uh, and uh, you know grit can be necessary ultimately when it comes down to it grit can be necessary and life and godliness one might say and I think that's really the greatest thing we're depriving them uh, of the benefit of grit
0: yeah I really like the things you said there and the antibodies uh analogy i thought that was good so but what you're saying is you're against kids being vaccinated am i understanding you're right
1: (laughs) no i plead the fifth
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i i think the the point um is well made there yeah if we just hover around and and try to protect against every bump and bruise or just mow over every obstacle so that Johnny and Susie have it on easy street. They're going to become selfish, self-absorbed kids and eventually adults. They're going to be very fragile, I think, um, whether it's physically or emotionally as well. And you even connected it to spiritual life that sometimes the the grit, the resolve to keep pressing on yeah. in faithfulness and obedience, it, it requires that. It's, you can't just fall down and, and quit on the path. You keep going. And so forecast that ahead into marriage and parenting. If you lack some of the that character development and those antibodies, that's going to be a train wreck. Yeah, I, I mean, marriage, my dad and I got the chance to travel this past weekend to a wedding up in West Virginia. I mean, we had good sixteen hours in the car driving, you know, it was a good time talking and one of the things that you know, we were talking about just that marriage requires work. It's good, but it requires work. And mm-hmm. how you've been married, what, like a dozen years now?
1: Yep. Twelve Thirteen. years. Okay. And you've been what, fourteen, right?
0: <clears throat> this summer, yeah, a couple months will be fourteen. Funny. And so yeah, so we didn't just arrive at having a good marriage. It took lots of effort over and over and over and, and grit to go, no, we're we're gonna keep at this. And, uh, God was gracious in that. Amen. Well, so how does, we've done it in some different ways, but how does the gospel and theology and the church fit into this whole risk aversion and trying to ensure, uh, temporal success just at all costs, so, you know, yeah. paying off college advisors or whatever else. And, and are there some spiritual problems or dangers involved in this?
1: So I, I suspect that there's a degree to which, I mean, there's a big term that, uh, people who are doing this helicopter parents have a sense of plagianism which basically the idea that we're kind of morally neutral which is not true or biblical and uh the the gospel shows us that we can't keep them from the worst things so this desire to helicopter over hover over lawnmower over is pretty vain and futile because the bad's already there it kind of comes with the package and uh we not only does the gospel show that it shows that, that God can save them, no matter how little we guard them. I mean, I know people that were had parents that were not at all involved that are faithful pastors. I mean, uh, I think that uh, the uh, Mes McConnell and uh, who's written some really helpful stuff. I believe that that's his story. He had kind of a rough situation at home, and you know, he wasn't protected. He got into some really dumb and bad stuff, but. That doesn't present, prevent God from redeeming him, from saving him. We can't control people in that way. Only God is, is sovereign. So, uh, But further, I think this shows that we need to trust that God is sovereign over our kids rather than trusting in our own sovereignty over our kids. Uh, mm-hmm. which, is that easy, Ben? <laughs> that's,
0: that's definitely not because as parents, we are entrusted with the kids. They're not Mm -hmm. ours. We're just entrusted with caring for them, teaching them, shaping them. And we do that with God's help. And I think probably more than anything else, parenting has humbled me and brought me to my knees just because of the wisdom needed. And if you have multiple children, chances are they're not identical. And what maybe worked with one doesn't necessarily work with the other one. And how you motivate and discipline and, and all of that. But you brought up some good points there, especially that last one about the sovereignty issue that we do what we can, but we remember that God is sovereign. Yeah. And, and again, that is, that is hard because we want our children to believe we want them to be eternally safe and eternally blessed, not, not just here and now. And they have a good job and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think we need to, to look too. I had someone raise these issues for me a number of years ago. If we try to, to protect against all risk and just think about having a good job in a good neighborhood and, and all this, uh, what about the spread of the gospel? Mm-hmm. And the the going that it, that's going to require, and the giving that that's going to require, that's going to mean that people sacrifice. I just finished this week a book that my wife had given to me a long time ago. I'd read part of it and then I hadn't finished it, but it's the life and testament of Jim Elliot uh, in the shadow of the Almighty. The guy, I think he was 29 when he was martyred by Indians that he had been praying for for six years that he knew of them. And um, they were a brutal tribe. And then through that, a lot of the people in the tribe came to Christ.
1: Sure. But,
0: you know, he didn't know that that was going to happen. And his other fellow missionaries didn't know that in their families. I mean, it involved sacrifice. And I mean, he was a uniquely serious guy. You read some of the things. I and mean, He's in his early, mid-20s. And, I mean, young people can be very idealistic, and it seems like he was in some ways, but the guy wanted to know the Lord. He wanted to make him known, and he was willing to to go and risk. And it was just stirring to read that. And just he's like, I, you know, even if I die young, just acknowledging, yeah, that may be the case. But he's famous for saying that yeah. he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Great. When you view it that way, it's. I mean, he's he's mirroring something or uh, echoing something similar to what Jesus said. But
1: I Jesus promised
0: us persecution.
1: I wonder how old he was when he said that, and if—and I'm afraid the answer will make me feel quite old and feel you know, pretty insignificant.
0: I'm gonna guess it was early to mid twenties. I mean, you and I have both outlived him, and yeah, you just—you I appreciate the zeal, though. Um, but also, you know, connecting this to to marriage and future life, past childhood and, and teenage years, having true friendships with people, having true marriages. Remember the marriage is about the gospel mm-hmm. and being an actual part of a church, not just part of live stream Baptist, but an actual body where you know the people they knew you, that requires some grit and it requires willingness to be hurt and to inconvenience yourself. And so if everybody just sort of, if life exists for you and everybody's doing things to line up for your success, If it suddenly is not working out that way, it's time to kick these people out or move on to the next one. And that's just not what God calls us to. So bringing this home, what are some practical ways that we can give children and teenagers proper space to face some risk and some challenges in their life?
1: Yeah, I'd probably go with the strategy that, you know, where you teach your kids to swim by just throwing them into the ocean. And then wishing them luck. So I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, we should we should do this all gradually. Uh, I think that's the wise way that we expose them to these risks. You know, we develop a plan around it. Even if and honestly, if you haven't done this, uh, I would. And your kids are older. I think you'd be foolish to kind of go to the other extreme right away. Uh, but I, I think that. Uh, that sometimes it's appropriate one little thing is it can be appropriate to win against your kids uh, rather than always let them win I let my child win something recently and one of my children and maybe I shouldn't have so maybe I'm a hypocrite uh, and uh, and you know and even especially teenagers uh, yourself because I think oftentimes and Sometimes kids can get frustrated uniquely in that when they they think they're good at something and they lose their parent, uh, but it helps them I think process it around you know around somebody who loves them and can help them through it. So uh, I think further don't you know this is gonna sound funny from somebody who is very critical of uh, youth sports. I'm only critical of youth sports when they get in the way of the local church, really. But I think when. Those are when there's not a biblically justifiable reason to quit something. I think don't let them quit just because they're struggling and losing in something. Actually, show them that this is an opportunity to learn and to develop character. What do you think, Ben?
0: Oh, very good responses. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting ready to leave here and go home and eat real quick with my family and then go and coach my son's t ball team. Sports can be a great way to facilitate some risk taking. And, and facing obstacles. I, I know in my own walk with the Lord, my own life, that sports was a big, big part of learning to, to deal with obstacles. I, I did not. I was super competitive, you know, sinfully competitive. And, you know, or maybe I wasn't the best one. I mean, my dad didn't go, well, here, I'll just give a donation and then, you know, we'll have you starting or whatever. I mean, I had to go out there and do the hard work to try mm-hmm. to, to improve. And that developed grit in me because I, both of us, as we got into our adult lives, I mean, from what I remember, you know, as, as time goes on, things get fuzzy. But I don't recall us in the early years of our marriage. We were living very close to each other. Uh, we were not eating prime rib every night, no. uh, riding in these fancy new cars. And, you know, I mean, we were scraping by and and that was a good thing. Um, I mean, I, yeah. We, I think you knew this person, but uh, I knew someone early on who was talking about – they. one of them in particular had grown up fairly wealthy, got married, and then they were just making poor decisions. And I think mom and dad were, may have been bailing them out some – I don't know. Maybe they weren't, but at least in the past there had been a pattern of the parents just sort of giving them money. And they were making poor decisions, and then like, man, we we don't have money for this, and it's because they've blown it on something else. And that was an example of not really preparing them to um, to deal with these kinds of obstacles. But I think you're right in, in the approach. You got to pray for wisdom. I mean, because it's going to look different with diff- with you know one child to the next, but you, there can be an overarching approach. Praying for wisdom, um, let them attempt some things you know dangerous things not fatal yeah but you know let them take some kind of risk let them get scraped up it's okay and i mean i was out riding we, have, we live in a cul-de-sac and i was out um playing with my son and one of the neighbor kids and they were riding on bikes and then i was throwing a ball at them they wanted me to try to hit them and I, you know i was out there with them and yeah. it just shows we're not in charge I turned, and all of a sudden, my little boy, who's just turned five, and the neighbor kid, who's, like, 11, they crashed, and I, my son goes flying off the bike, and, I mean, I, I kind of was, you know, for a moment, I was concerned, because he went flying off, and he yeah. lands on his head. Now, he landed on the back of his head. his The back of his helmet actually got crunched up a little bit, and, I mean, you know, he immediately was in tears, but it was just a good example, like, I'm out there. What am I going to not let my kid ride his bike because he could get hurt? I mean, no, you just you have to let them do some things like that, um, let the, and take risks with them. And I like what you are saying about you know playing sports or playing some game with them and beating them. I mean, my my uh, parents got my kids a basketball goal recently, and so you know the neighbor boys they have a basketball. Goal too, but now that we have one, they come over to our house and they were playing a bunch, and I guess just the newness of it, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> I, I was out there like they were playing me, it was like one on three or one on four, I was going hard now, you know, when you got that many people defending you, you don't really have an option of, of not taking it easy but uh, I was I was giving it what I had, and I think that's a good thing for them, and, and also just teaching them how to calculate risk and make decisions uh, so that when you know, when they're younger, so that as they get older, they're better equipped to kind of think it through. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as as they get older, are those tactics going to change? Or are they going to look different?
1: I think so. But one thing I am curious, by the way, with your son's uh, T-ball thing, would it be helicopter parenting if you were to cork his bat like Sammy Sosa? Uh,
0: definitely not. Definitely not.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, Sweet you know, I, you got to do you got to do what you got to do,
1: right? Anyway.
0: <laughs> you know, we just have like, we have some special muscle cream we give all the kids, you know, before we step <laughs> out there on the field <laughs> put this on.
1: <laughs> Is that what you were in Miami for?
0: <laughs> yeah, some of the kids, you know, it's they're, they're really developed. They're starting to get some facial hair and stuff. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, yeah, well, speaking of uh, facial hair and developing that, yeah, uh, I I definitely think it will look different at different ages. Uh, I mean, I kind of alluded to this earlier. It needs to be gradual, uh, particularly to ages. Uh, Actually, I would even say that, you know, if you're not taking seriously allowing your child to expose and your child is 16, it's going to be gradual, but it's going to be a quicker gradual, you know, versus, you know, if you just commit to this at, you know, when your kid's like four – uh, gradual doesn't mean that in six months from now, you know, you're you're skydiving with your child. Uh, but, uh, I, I think that, uh, but I actually do further think beyond that principle. That is, they go into the teen years. I think Bible believers that, uh, I think, try to understand concepts of adulthood and maturity and responsibility from scripture, I think need to start treating them more and more as adults. And when you're doing that, I think at core, you know, with the, you know, Aunt Becky thing is, I mean, she was treating her adult child as, you know, in the way that would, you know, wouldn't be appropriate at five, but, you know, would be a lot more appropriate at five.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I heard some people point out too sort of like, sorry, honey, you're kind of too stupid, not a good enough athlete to get in. So I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to give somebody half a million dollars to get you in here. Um, hopefully, I don't, I wonder how they handled that all, but <clears throat> I, uh, don't care that much. I, I, sincerely hope for them. They're made in the image of God. I hope they work yes, that out well, me they,
1: too. you
0: know, but I don't really follow the situation. I looked it up just uh, for the purposes of this.
1: I figured as much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that you, there, there's good stuff from what you're saying. Um, I've got a the friend that I, I went to his wedding and was in it this past weekend uh, is a an assistant principal and has been for a number of years and he said he's dealt with a lot of people, parents who, you know, they have to come in because of something the kid has done. And the kid the parents are constantly trying to get the kid out of the consequences for their wrong, poor decisions. And my friend, you know, he just got married, doesn't have any children yet. He's going, man, that is not helping those kids out. They need to face the music. And yes, we have to let them face their bad decisions. Uh, I've heard of parents even that had teenage kids that ended up getting arrested for something and said, well, they can sleep in jail tonight and we'll deal with it tomorrow just to, to let it sink home because they weren't. So worried about their own reputation, or you know, Johnny or Susie's discomfort there uh, at the the city jail. They said, you know what? They, they need this lesson, and that that takes a lot of courage to do that, and a lot of, I guess, subtle determination that this is how we're going to handle. And I, I'm guessing, in those cases, the kids had caused some you know some issues before that. But um, another thing is it touches on money. I think it's wise to let them, make them become more financially independent yeah. as they age. Make them have some skin in the game. Don't just continue paying for everything, especially if they've got a job. Um, I mean, I, there can be extenuating circumstances. I'm, you know, I'm not speaking from scripture on this, but just making some observations but the older they get they have some resources they I think it's good for them to not just see everything as i uh, got all these privileges but they have no responsibilities that as the privileges go up the responsibilities yeah. need to go up as well I and mean, that's how it works in the real world in in adult life for the parents uh and so in everything that america s- seems to think that teenagers need uh are not true needs mm-hmm. they are definitely privileges. And so deciding what, what ones you're going to extend and, and which one's not. Well, Tony, what about with churches? What can churches do to encourage and help parents in these areas?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, we can just, uh, you know, make sure that we get really aggressive and, and, you know, teach them that, uh, they need to have their kids buck up and get a job when they're five or six. No, I don't think that at all. Uh, I, I think we should teach on the kingdom and parenting is one key in this. And you alluded to this earlier, but I think this is really important. That uh, actually, I run, there was a really great uh, Jen Wilkin talk, I think, at uh, Gospel Coalition Women's Conference a, like years ago. And, uh, and it was on the basically, you know, raising your kids up as aliens. And we've had a whole podcast on that topic. Uh, but I think that's important with this because... I think to raise your kids in light of the kingdom inherently is to reject helicopter parenting. Uh, and I think uh, we, lastly, uh, so, you know, I, to, we need to expose people to that, you know, expose people to that kingdom approach to parenting. Honestly, even when we teach on the kingdom and church, when we preach or whatever, you have that kind of emphasis that the next generation need to have that Jim Elliott philosophy. And we need to allow them to because that's going to be hard. It's hard to embrace the possibility that our child lives very far away from us hmm. Uh, and uh, and lastly, I'd say allow people to lose uh, in context in churches where it's really healthy and wise. You know, I don't think there's any biblical requirement uh, to have, for example, youth group games if you have a youth group. But if you do, I, I don't think you should be ashamed at, the, at having some people lose and having certain winners sometimes just as long as you're doing a healthy way uh and and you're blocking bullying uh you know we should find a balance in that but you know it's actually i think probably it's appropriate that youth group games be built around a structure where you make sure that everybody loses sometimes (laughs) you know that you know there are games built around the failure and the struggles of all of us
0: yeah I, i like what you said we, we've got to have it in the culture of our churches because it's in the culture of of the church at large that taking risk is one of the ways and and facing hardships um, we are strengthened through that Jesus promised us that if we follow him there will be suffering there will be hardship Paul said that, you know it's through many trials that we enter the kingdom of God and he encouraged a, a number of Christians at church that way with that truth that this is listen this is not like something unexpected this is how we live in a fallen world and if we're in a culture not just america it's any culture that's uh, settled in its opposition against god that's what yeah. fallen humans do when they get together it runs away from god and so mm-hmm. if we're running towards god and and his ways and his purposes for how human life should be lived we should expect opposition and so just teaching that and I, I think it was in a recent conversation we had about how God changes us. One of the, the biggest ways is through suffering. Like that—that that, that yeah. is the design of it. It teaches us to rely on him. Yep. It teaches us that we're not sufficient in ourselves, but that he is. And, and it's not something that we look forward to that's fun, but God sees fit that we need it. Yeah. And so uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so if we're missing that or giving this this impression that following jesus is just going to make your life better and it's sort of this prosperity theology light we're setting people up for failure we're setting parents up for failure and their kids one just practical wisdom is looking teach proverbs point to proverbs help parents yeah. use that as a resource and, and talk about the spread of the gospel and the sacrifice needed you're talking about the jim elliott kind of spirit uh, i mean i person that comes immediately to mind now is John Piper and uh, Someone who's really followed in his footsteps David Platt this you know wartime lifestyle and and all this and yes Maybe you could point out some critiques here and there But if the gospel is going to spread it's going to require sacrifice It may mean that there's comforts we go without it may mean that people lose their lives God probably is not calling most people to martyrdom. I mean just you look throughout history That's not how most Christians have died but there may be some that that is what is in store but whether we go or whether we give we are engaged in this the struggle of the kingdom and we're we're seeing that this world is not finally our home and the comforts that it offers and so um yeah and and again not to it's obvious but we we pray for the parents of our churches that they see that they uh we had a guy on the missionary's name was Stephen, who is a, a missionary doctor uh, in a place that's not really hospitable um, to Christianity. And he said, We can say God is valuable or we can live like God is valuable. And I mean, the brother is right. And so, praying that parents see that and feel the weight of that and then parent their children uh, in that way. So, Tony, thanks for talking with me about this. I think, you know, it's just something, it's a very uh, on the ground kind of topic that. I mean, you and I are right in the midst of it, parenting, and imagine a lot of people that are listening are. So hopefully it's been an encouragement to them. So, yeah. so we need to collectively dull our blades, not sharpen them uh, for this purpose, so that we're not just mowing over everything in their path or trying to, to put the bubble wrap on them, but uh, helping them take the right kind of risk for the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen. So, thanks, brother.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.